everyone. My name is Alexandra Perry, and you are listening to Investing After Hours, a Wealth Daily podcast. Joining me today is our alternative energy and alternative investment expert, Jeff Siegel. Jeff um, focuses on a lot of renewable energies. He has also been focusing on the cannabis space as of late. And Jeff, I'm really excited to have you come down and talk to us from your home state of New York. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is focused specifically on the cannabis space. And there's been this recent controversy with this guy named Roger Stone, and he made some statements. And I was wondering if you could elaborate on those. <laughs> yeah, Roger Stone. He's um, he's a bit of a of a character. Um, Roger Stone is a he's a consultant and an advisor for President Trump, and he's also a legalization advocate. There aren't a whole lot of legalization advocates in the Trump administration. Um, now, so Stone was invited to speak at this major cannabis conference and expo. Uh, and when it was announced that he was speaking, there was like this immediate backlash. Um, people just did not want him there. Here's the basic issue about Roger Stone. A lot of people in the industry don't like him. And generally speaking, I would say few people outside of Trump loyalists seem to like him and I get it he I mean you know I'm not gonna pull any punches he's an asshole this guy's kind of an asshole and to give you an example I, I mean he said so many crazy outrageous things but um you know one thing that always stuck with me this one thing he said a while back and he he posted on Twitter he said uh, he well he he basically called Herman Cain he called him Herman Mandingo Cain and I'm just like what year is this? You know what I mean? It's just like so bizarre and very unapologetic about it. Um, he once tweeted, uh, well, he tweeted something that says something like, who is this fat Negro Roland Martin on CNN and what qualifies him to give any analysis? You know, as a rational individual, you know, seeing this on Twitter, you're like, who is this person? Why is why is he acting like this? Um, he, what else? He said some crazy stuff. He said, uh, he tweeted, I think he tweeted, he said, uh, Megyn Kelly's got a nice set of cans. Um, oh, he once said that Hillary Clinton's aide, uh, Huma Abedin, was most likely a Saudi spy. So, yeah, that's who we're dealing with here. Um, there's a whole list of really despicable things this guy said. He, you know, he lies about stuff and he feeds this kind of right-wing conspiracy theory or the, the theorists and, and um, with all kinds of just ridiculous rhetoric and that, that really it does nothing but promote intolerance and violence you know he's, he's kind of a dick but he's also a dick that wants to legalize cannabis and, and he has the ear of the president so it kind of puts you in a weird situation I mean for me as an investor as a cannabis investor of course I want someone close to the president who wants to legalize um, so it's a weird conundrum I can see how some folks in the cannabis industry would want to make nice with them. Um, but for the long term, I would say credibility of the industry, the last thing this movement needs is someone like Stone becoming a mouthpiece. Um, and interestingly, Stone said he was actually going to sue the organizers of the event because they pulled him after the protest. So, I mean, this particular conference does a lot to promote the legalization movement. So, suing them would really only hinder the organizer's ability to, to continue to fight against prohibition. So if you look at it like that, if Stone really wants to support the industry, then he should really you know, back off the lawsuit and just you know, continue to work on his own to end prohibition. If he, can, um, if he can set aside his own personal issues and his ego and just focus on ending prohibition, that 
that would make it that would seem to be more sincere to me. Um, you know, what he'll do, I have no idea, but I, I, I do think that the conference organizers made the right decision. Um, interestingly, I did reach out to, to Roger Stone and offered to interview him to get his side of the story, um, and he has yet to respond. So I don't know if he's going to respond or not. Um, do you think he'll respond to our podcast? I don't know. I am. I will. I will. You know, when it's done, you know, let's share it, and I'll put it out there for him. I mean, I just called him an asshole and a dick, so he he may not. He may not want to. We respond. might not be the response that you're looking but for. But you know what? He, he talks a lot of shit too, and he talks about how he doesn't want to be politically politically correct. Well, I'm not being politically correct, but that doesn't mean I disagree with him on legalization. And I would love to hear his his side of the story. Maybe he's got something worthwhile to say. And I, I I'm not opposed to you know working with people I dislike if we if we have the same goals. Um, so yeah, I put it out there, and, and and I guess we'll see what happens. Invite him to respond. Well. Roger Stone, no, this is coming from Jeff, not me. <laughs> no, but the um, I think it's interesting, especially with this kind of round of politics, we're seeing a lot more slander as the norm. Slander yeah. is accepted. At least in this case, do you think that it's more beneficial to have somebody promoting cannabis legalization in the White House, regardless of, of what they say? It's, well, it's one person... I mean, it's it would be it, obviously it's good to have him there in the White House and and trying to you know fight the good fight within the walls of the White House because I don't think anybody else is really doing that. Um, but that being said, I mean he's got such he's got this kind of like you know this this cloud of uh, of mistrust and 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 kind of. I don't know. Like he's just—he's not a good person, and you know, or at least he doesn't come off as a good person. So, the, the cannabis industry really is really trying to gain more credibility, and you cannot gain credibility if you align yourself with people that are going to cause problems. And Roger Stone, for better or for worse, he's going to cause problems. Yes, he can come to—you know—he'll come to these events and he'll say all these great things about legalization, and I will probably support a lot of what he says about that. Uh, but the problem is if he's doing that, but he's still going out on Twitter, you know, <laughs> calling Herman Cain Mandingo and talking about Megan Kelly's cans. I mean, like, dude, you're not helping them. You're not helping the movement. You're making it worse. Um, and I would hope that if he really is sincere about legalization, that he would take that into consideration, um, you know, before he, he tweets things. In your experience, do you find that political figures might not necessarily agree with cannabis legalization, but will support it to kind of garner a certain feel. I think it feels edgy to me. It feels like trending new age uh, politicians. Like I certainly couldn't imagine somebody like Bernie Sanders saying no to cannabis. Right. That would just completely destroy that image. So though it is interesting to me that we have a predominantly Republican White House now, we still have people that are echoing that legalization. Do you think they're sincere or like, I, I feel like he has to be sincere to an extent because he's in such a hostile environment for the topic. Right. I think most I think most politicians and most Republicans um, don't care if we were to legalize, um, but they don't want to lose their voter base. So particularly where you have like a lot of older folks or certain parts of the country where people are still very much you know for the prohibition of cannabis and don't really understand what you know why it should be legalized. Um, you know they don't want to lose their jobs, so they're going to do it. They're going to say what they have to say to keep their jobs. Um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's a reality. I've had the opportunity to talk with a lot of politicians, particularly um, Republicans and, and those with kind of like a libertarian edge to them. And, you know, all those guys are just like, it, it, of course, this, not, this should not be illegal. Um, but few of them are actually going to come out and make it a big deal because they don't want to risk their jobs. 
And, that, and again, it's kind of like one of those things. Well, you don't want to risk your job, and I get that. But at the same time, do we not have a moral obligation to end something that is that that is immoral, that is unethical, that is that's something that causes so many problems, financial problems, social problems, health problems in this country? Um, I'd like to see more politicians, you know, just take a stand on it and be honest about it. I know that they're, you, you know, it's it's easy for me to say because I'm not running for office, but you know, you, you don't. These people are not elected to to just work to get reelected. They're elected to do stuff, you know, and to make you know make things better if they can. And my opinion has always been the best thing they can do is just stay out of the way, you know. I, I mean, that's just kind of like the libertarian in me. I just the best thing the government can do is just leave us alone. Um, and, and you know, cannabis is a perfect example. Just stop stop making something so um, important illegal and, and, and stop supporting this war on drugs, which is, is, a, is a huge problem, you know, again, financially and, and, and socially for, for our country. Um, so I, I do believe that these politicians have an obligation to, to, to make the, make the nece- take the necessary steps to legalize and then leave, then walk away and just be done with it. Um, whether or not that's going to happen this year or next year, I don't know. It will happen. Mark my words. It'll happen in five years. It'll be legal. It, it, on a federal level, it will be legal. But um, I think Roger Stone has a really great opportunity to, to do something positive here. Um, and, I, and I hope that, you know, uh, he does not waste time trying to sue conference organizers and talk shit about, you know, the, this minority um, cannabis group that, that really called for him to, to step down from that, from that conference. Um, that would be the uh, honorable thing to do. So we'll see what he does. I think conversations about perhaps the responsibility that federal government employees have in this kind of movement is vital. But I also think that we've actually had a big event happen recently in this space because last week the Blumenhauer-Rohrbacher provision was extended. And I was wondering if you could kind of explain what that is and the repercussions that it will likely have for the cannabis industry and its investors. Sure, yeah. So um, the Blumenhauer-Rohrbacher provision, what it does it is, is essentially prevents the Justice Department from using funds to interfere with uh, states that have legalized cannabis. That, that's the very basic explanation of it. Um, I'm glad it was ex- extended. It's not a solution. Um, it's really just a Band-Aid that's been there for a while. Um, but honestly, anything less than, lifting, than the lifting of federal prohibition um, is not enough. There's no, I mean, this is a pretty black and white situation. Um, we have a lot of sick people in this country who rely on cannabis for their medicine. You know, kids with epilepsy, uh, you know, vets with PTSD, cancer patients. The list goes on and on. And of course, again, you know, as a as a libertarian, I, I completely reject the premise that the government has any authority to dictate whether or not I can grow or consume a plant for medical or recreational purposes. Um, but you know, for investors, this is good news. Um, I don't think it's anything to get that excited about. You know, right now, most of our exposure is still in Canada, uh, where legalization will begin next July. Um, that's where the, you know, that's why I keep saying that that's where the big money is right now. And um, there are opportunities in the U.S., but those are mostly with private companies. And, and you know, you have to be a accredited investor to invest in those um, or most of those. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that the, that the provision went through, but. Um, we got to stop with these band-aids and provisions. We just need to end this, you know, end prohibition once and for all and, and get some people um, in Congress, you know, with some balls to stand up and, and take a stand. 
Do you find that perhaps this can help states better combat? Because I know like right now there's a lot of internal conflict between states that have legalized and the federal government. Um, it, it just seems like kind of a murky ground because in a way these states enter almost their own independence, like cannabis independence, where they're practicing something that's separate than the rest of the United States. And in that they're both unique, but also I could imagine somewhat ostracized. <laughs> uh, you, you know, by some people. So certainly Jeff Sessions, um, you know, he has sent letters to the governors and uh, and attorneys general in um, states where it's legal, Colorado, Washington, Oregon. Um, and, and, you know, in, in the letters, and I've seen the letters that were sent, and they were kind of like, they were, they were like subtle shakedowns. You know, it was basically him saying, I get that it's legal in your, in your state, it's not legal on a federal level, and you need to do more to make sure that you are adhering to these certain standards or we're going to come in. I mean, basically that's what he was saying. And thank God, like these governors and the, and the, and the attorneys general, they stood up and they're like, no, you're not going to shake us down. You know, this is what we're doing. You, we're not going to allow you to mess this up. It's, I mean, th- th- I'm paraphrasing, obviously, you know. Um, and they stood up to him. They stood up to what I believe is a tyrant, um, a tiny little tyrant. Um, you know, and, uh, and you know, and I think that's I think that's really important. Um, I, you know, I also see with the extension of the the Blumenauer Warbacher provision um, that there are a lot of people in Congress that are basically, you know, telling Jeff Sessions in one way or another, you know, don't waste our time with this nonsense. Clearly, this is a personal hangup that he has. I mean, this is a guy that told you know, told the world that good people don't smoke marijuana. But seriously, it's like, so, I mean, my, my point is, this is a guy that's got a hang-up, a personal hang-up, mm-hmm. and he's wrong. He's using faulty data to back to back his argument for, for um, prohibition. Um, he's out of touch with reality, and I think a lot of people uh, that do make these, that, that are in Washington, uh, they may not come out and say that they think he's out of his mind, but they're certainly not, most of them are not going to let him um, kind of bully these, these states, and they shouldn't. I mean, it's a simple states' rights issue. And honestly, I think this is going to go the same way as, as uh, uh, gay marriage went. You know, started with a bunch of states, and then eventually the Fed's like, we don't have time for this, you know, and they just let it go. And I think that's what's going to happen with cannabis, ultimately. So from an investing perspective, what about companies? You know, companies that are in this space that are maybe operating in these states. I guess California is a good example because it's going to legalize recreational and recreational or medical. It's just rec- well, it's, it's, on, just it's already medical, and then and recreational. Recreational. Will be. We also we we can ter- we can term it recreational or, or adult use. Um, I typically like to use the word adult use because it doesn't scare people as much. Okay. As saying recreational, but it's just, it's the same thing. Yes, California. It's going to be a very big deal in January. So obviously there are companies in these states that are probably going to benefit from this legalization and now they don't have to worry about the federal government trying to stop them through federal budgets. Well, they're always going to have to worry about the feds. I mean, there's always, it's always going to be in the back of their minds. I, some people say they don't want to invest in the cannabis space because they are um, because of the risk and they're worried that the, fed, the feds are going to come in. I mean, there's risk with anything. I, I think that's, that risk is a bit overblown. I don't think they're going to come in and, and try to stop what's going in these states because these states have already made too much money and there's, they've got too much invested in the industry. Um, the federal government would, would just lose, and that's not something that I, – I, I, it would, be a, it would be, be a very, very big mistake on the part of the federal government if they try to, um, to, to really clamp down on, on the, the states where it's legal. Um, so I don't really think it's that big of a, a risk. That being said, most of the the companies, the, the stocks that we've invested in are in Canada, um, because in Canada we do know that on a federal level um, it will be legal in July of 2018. So, and really that's that's the hub. Like Canada has become the hub 
for cannabis. I mean, can right now Canada is going to be like cannabis is going to be one of the biggest export markets for 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 Canada. I mean, they're already exporting to you know Germany, Australia, a couple of countries in South America, um, Israel. So Canada was ahead of the game. They have first mover advantage. Um, they are. They they have a war chest of capital. Um, they're the the Canadian cannabis companies are better funded than any other cannabis company in the world, pretty much, except for maybe some tech ones in, in Israel. So Canada right now runs the show, and I think Canada's going to continue to run the show, and that's really where we're putting most of our money. So you know, again, like some of the bigger players would be um, Canopy Growth Corporation and Afria Incorporated. Um, Emblem Corp is a really good one. That, that's a company that was um, started by a former uh, um, CEO of the Canadian division of Purdue Pharmaceuticals, which invented oxycodone, or oxycontin, one of those. Um, so that's kind of like big pharma running a cannabis business in Canada, and they're very well funded. Um, so that's, that's where we're looking right now. There's a, new, there's a company that's likely to go public either by the end of this year or early um, or the first quarter of 2018. Um, that's called the Green Organic Dutchman. Um, and that is, um, they just do organically grown cannabis and that's a huge market. Um, and I, that, I quite frankly, um, it's gonna, I think gonna be one of the biggest, um, biggest cannabis stocks in the space, you know, if it's this year or next year. Um, full disclosure, you know, I, I, uh, I own shares, so. Putting that out there, so nobody's like, "Oh, well, you own shares, so you're just." But well, listen, <laughs> if I didn't like the company, I wouldn't own shares. So, but yeah, I think th- those are the companies that were. There's a lot. There's a lot of cannabis companies, but those are the ones that I'm that I'm quite bullish on right now. So after you know, we've talked about these companies that are either companies that you're expecting to do well in the space, companies you're kind of keeping an eye on. I wanted to read you some recent headlines from the cannabis world and okay. get your reaction. Okay, sounds it's like, good. It's like a fun podcast game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always like games. Okay, so here's the number one headline. Three out of five Massachusetts marijuana regulatory commissioners say they've consumed cannabis. Thoughts? So I'm assuming that the the issue at hand is there's two that haven't <laughs> consumed cannabis. I don't think you need to consume cannabis to, to be on a, on a board like that. It, you know, I mean... Yeah, you know, yeah, you don't have you don't have to be a consumer to. to I don't think you need to be a consumer to be an investor either. No, of course not. Of course not. I mean, listen, I've done you know group events where I've taken out members to you know on trips to visit dispensaries and and meet CEOs of companies, and some of those people don't consume while we're there. Um, Yeah, I don't think it matters at all. Kind of funny because you know, so they have um, uh, who was it? Um, Ah man. I'm trying to remember who it was now. Oh, it was Tommy Chong once said that uh, when he meets someone who's, I guess, like an investor or, or someone who wants to be in the space, um, he gives them a drug test. You know, like, you know, if some companies you work for, you have to take a drug test. Well, his drug test is he gets them high so he can see, like, how involved they really are in the space, you know, if they can handle it and see how they talk once they're high about it. Like, that's, a, that's the kind of drug test I can get behind. You can participate, you can see green without participating in green. Yes, yes, yes. there you go. Good pun, sorry, it came off the, <laughs> it was off the cuff. You were like waiting to push I was that waiting. one out. <laughs> I always try to use that and everyone's like, Allie, that's so original. I'm like, nah, I've, I've said it a few times, it's my go-to. Okay, ready? Yep. Line number two. Vermont's House Speaker appointed two representatives to the state's Marijuana Legalization Study Commission. Okay, so that 
commission is bullshit. Um, basically, the governor had an opportunity to approve um, legalization. He chose not to. Um, and now he's got this committee set up to, you know, do all this investigation to find out, you know, what are the pitfalls and how can we do this right? You know, that, that's called stalling. You know, this guy came off. He got elected because he's like, oh, I'm kind of a libertarian. No libertarian would ever oppose legalization of cannabis. So he's full of shit. Um, and this is just a stalling technique. And, uh, you know, it's it basically it'll still eventually it'll happen in, in Vermont. Adult use will, will happen in Vermont, but he's just taking, he's just making, he's just stretching it out. I, I almost suspect he's stretching it out so he doesn't have to deal with it because he'll probably be gone by the time it actually happens. I feel like you don't need to study cannabis anymore extensively. There's so many studies that have already been done in other states. There's no need to do a new one in Vermont. So the last headline is actually my favorite on the list. And I remember seeing this last week and being like, I can't wait till Jeff is here so I can <laughs> say this headline and see the fireworks fly. Okay. <laughs> Can medical marijuana patients legally own guns? <laughs> well, the Second Amendment says so. <laughs> you know, I, it, okay, so there's this thing called the Gun Control Act of 1968, which basically says that people who use cannabis can't own firearms. I don't know the ins and outs of that law, or, you know, I don't know if it could even be defended um, in court today, given how we have legalization in various states. Um, I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, too, because if you think about it, so if you consume cannabis, you can't own a firearm, but you can buy, you can, you can buy like as many guns as you want and have a prescription for Oxycontin and, and be like high every day. And there's no research to suggest that people that are using cannabis are violent or that they're out of control. No, no. I mean, I, I, I'm sure there's some, some studies out there, but it, it almost seems irrelevant. Like, okay, well, how many people get drunk and grab their guns, you know? I mean, it's... Oh, alcohol is a whole new story. Yeah, and you can have as many guns as you want and, and drink alcohol. It's, it's, it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. <laughs> and, you know, and you know what? I mean, I don't want to get into a whole uh, Second Amendment debate here, um, but if we were to go down that road, I, I, you know... Such a law is simply unconstitutional, and any person that, any politician, you know, any any representative, any any Senate member, president, whatever, they all swore an oath to defend the Constitution and to protect the Constitution. If they defend this and 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 support this gun control of 1968, then they are not they're not doing their job. They're not defending the Constitution. And I don't know about you, but if I don't do my job, I get fired. So, as far as I'm concerned, if there's anybody in Congress that thinks it's okay to keep, you know, this Gun Control Act of 1968 in place, then they should be fired. Strong statement. But <laughs> that's all I have. That was those were supposed to invoke strong statements, and they did. <laughs> that's what you get me. Cannabis, Constitution, yeah. You'll get, that'll get me fired up. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and talking to us today. I'm going to make sure to include some pieces on some of the companies you just talked about so that investors can start to check out the space. And I'll bring some green chip, sto green chip stocks articles onto the podcast blog and they can get in touch with you. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Okay, everyone, have a great night. 